A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Hello, hello. It is the 18th of January. This is the COB, all the stuff you need to know about the day in business markets and startups. Hey, Scuddy, how are you? I'm good. I'm, That's good. Yeah, it's uh, a bit gloomy in Sydney, but uh, sure yeah. Is. is it still that humid outside? No, I think it's the uh, volcanic ash cloud which is above <laughs> us at the moment. Uh, just, yeah, been a real funky weather here in Sydney. I'm not sure about other parts of the country, but certainly uh, has been pretty steamy of late. Should we get to the market? Yes. Okay. It was a negative session, although I agreed with Henry Jennings for Marcus today to call it flat, uh, sitting at 7,409 to finish the day. If you'd like to hear Henry's buy, hold, sell, public service announcement, it will be up online shortly. Uh, look, so we, we gave back some of yesterday's gains, uh, but I think at the end of the session, a little bit of trepidation with people keeping their eye on the expectations for the U.S. Open. We did see, we did see the um, Nasdaq futures falling. We saw the S&P futures down, and bond yields still rising. Yeah, no offense to the local market sometimes, but sometimes it needs its hand held to go and actually make a decision when it comes to that stuff. Uh, we'll see what happens tonight, but certainly some pretty funky moves. Uh, no coincidence. So we've seen Brent crude. I went and wrote about in the view yesterday. Uh, it has broken above those uh, those highs now. So highest level since October 2014. And co on the very same day, US 10-year yields break into fresh pandemic era highs as well. So clearly that inflationary picture is uh, not diminishing. Indeed, it's probably intensifying at this point. So the best performing sector was materials up by half of 1%. Look to BHP for that. We did have a quarterly update from Rio Tinto, but um, you know, I guess it wasn't uh, massively um, impressive because so much of it relies on China, its performance, its iron ore performance. It closed down by about a quarter of a percent. 2022 earnings, you know, hinging on prices, on costs, obviously, and uh, yeah, saw its full year Australian iron ore shipments falling. Although it does say that it expects to see 2022 shipments higher. Uh, what else? Just let me run through some of the best and worst performers. It's always worth it. We have Data3. What? Redbubble. Oh, well, we'll get there. That's okay. the stock of the day. Shh, shh, shh. Okay. I have a plan. Okay. Uh, Data3 was up by close to 14% after pre-guiding the market ahead of reporting season. It expects to report, report Excuse me, strong first half 22 results. JB Hi-Fi also looking good. So seeing sales fall off and profitability down slightly, but better than expected, up by close to 7%. Um, Redbubble. Tell me about Redbubble. Yeah, it's uh, been quite a ride for investors. I'm uh, pretty much one-way traffic over the past year or so. Of course, came to prominence with the, uh, the masks uh, that were going off the shelves, or in this case, uh, uh, into the, uh, the, the uh, baskets online and uh, to your face. But uh, certainly a few issues coming through there. Um, a lot of people like the business, but it's proving that uh, no, it's been very expensive to go and try and take market share. It's very competitive at the moment. And then there's uh, copyright concerns mm-hmm. as well that uh, continue to go and simmer beneath the surface and exactly uh, who is responsible for what for uh, the products being sold on that site. So it put out a business update, and on the back of that, its share price was down by 22% today. It was the stock of the day. 
Let's listen in to what our guest hosts had to say. Uh, joining Kashi today was Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool and Mark Moreland from Team Invest. Redbubble aren't at the moment managing to get enough people to come through their virtual doors. And they either haven't been able to win those wars on pricing when it comes to search engine optimization and search engine marketing, or they're not able to do it profitably. It's a company that is trying to convince itself and its customers, suppliers and investors that it's going to be the marketplace destination, or at least one of the major ones of the next 10 or 15 years. And it's not doing a very good job of doing that right now. It doesn't give you enough faith as an investor in my mind to be buying yep. the shares. So yeah, the fall's tempting, but I think I'd leave it on the shelf. I think it really would be a speculation of saying, you know, do you think they're, they're going to get it right and go forward? I yeah. mean, the other thing too is the NFTs, you know, the non-fungible tokens are a massive growth area in art and so on where people are selling um, you know, shares in pictures and digital yeah. art and so on. That's a massive growth area. There's no mention of that in their business models or anything. And I sort of wonder whether they're a bit old hat. That is not going in the Ausbiz portfolio. No dip buying today. No dip buying. Uh, look, you know, tomorrow's another day. Um, oftentimes these things do get bought before pay. An example, before pay share price did rise today after that 40 plus percent drop yesterday. So you always have to take things in context, right? You always have to zoom out mm -hmm. to see what's really happening out there in the market. Uh, Scuddy, we, well, you just did an interview with Monique Katecha. He takes a pretty big big view on the world and investment opportunities out there. Is he positive on tech heading into this U.S. earnings season? He is. Uh, he thinks that uh, you know, quality tech in particular, uh, you know, quality tech that is profitable uh, and has uh, you know, compounded earnings potential is what he's in the marketplace at the moment for. Uh, made that distinguishment clearly about, I know, he's concerned about those uh, high revenue, high cost, low profit or no profit names out there at the moment. They're the ones, of course, that have been hit pretty hard recently. But uh, yeah, really interesting. He, uh, he believes in those structural megatrends and he wants to be involved with the companies that you know, have the ability to go and help boost productivity. Anyone who knows you know, economics 101 will know that uh, with productivity generally comes uh, the potential for greater earnings and that's uh, that's what he's looking for at the moment so he dropped a few names i'm not going to tell you which ones they are though you'll have to listen you'll have to listen via the show notes you can listen to todd warren tribeca investment partners look i've got a lot of respect for his views and uh, he talked to uranium today with annette saying the super cycle is not over yet uranium was one of those hot sectors to end 2021 uh, lots of talk about the Sprout Uranium Trust. Does uranium have legs to stand on its own fundamentals, particularly if you consider climate change, nuclear energy, some of the uh, resurgent push for nuclear, whether or not it comes to fruition, and another story. But I digress. Listen to Todd Warren for his view. And uh, I did a, well, I thought it was a pretty good interview. Not on my part, but Alex Pakoulis from Harper's Burnet had good things to say today on what a kettle of hawks means for stocks. That's what you call. Do you know what a kettle of hawks is? Uh, it's, um, it's like a school of fish. Yeah, the, the, federal, the federal Reserve or parroting, I would yeah. call them. Parroting hawkish things <laughs> after about no, up until two months ago, they were all talking about bloody uh, dovish tones. So yeah, yeah, a kettle, there we go. Look, well, Alex says that um, yes, inflation has proven not transitory, I guess you can say it like that. But he's saying that he doesn't think that some of those structural um, pressures have changed in terms of the labor force in particular. So anyways, listen to it yourself. But he tells you what a hawkish Fed rate policy likely means for equities this year and what sectors he's really interested in getting into. And he does drop a few names in terms of specific stocks. Here we go. 
So on the macro front, we did have that weekly consumer confidence read today. Took a hit, inflation expectations up. But the consensus that I've been getting from people we've been speaking with, economists, reports I've been reading, is that they're not expecting this Omicron wave to have a long-lasting impact in terms of activity and in terms of recovery. What do you think? I think that the risks are clearly out there. Uh, just take a look around uh, the local shops at the moment. Uh, have a look at particularly eateries and bars and everything else. They employ a lot of people. And to say that uh, no, that's not going to be a consideration, there's no support payments out there, of course, at the moment. There's no JobKeeper. Uh, slightly high job seeker, but that's not going to get you very far in this current environment. So one to go keep a close eye on because if uh, they don't come back, uh, no, certainly a lot of people's jobs, unfortunately, are going to be at risk in that uh, the hospitality industry in particular, a huge employer in the country. So I think there is a risk that we might end up with some more permanent scarring. I hope I'm wrong. Hopefully Omicron comes and goes uh, very quickly. But uh, certainly keep an eye on that. And uh, if you do have the opportunity to go and do it, support those businesses. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. So that's uh, a good word of wisdom there. On a day that we saw 77 people die, uh, due to this wave, the deadliest day of the pandemic so far in this country, um, the CMO, Paul Kelly, says that they're reviewing isolation periods. Omicron is nearing its peak. You've got a code brown for Victoria. You've got, you still have, Scuddy, all these different layers of government um, changing the tune, which they have to do as it, the situation evolves. But it, it sort of speaks to your view today that there's just, there's so many... So many cooks in the kitchen, what do you say? Yeah, and they're spoiling the broth big time. And uh, I just not, don't know about the way we handle this health uh, crisis, but I uh, know there's just so many other facets of this country. There's just too many layers of bureaucracy and rules and no clear guidelines as to who's in charge of what. It's, it's so frustrating. And they talk a big game when it comes to you know, the ability to go and streamline processes, make it easy and the like. But uh, the real lived experience, I can, I'm sure plenty of people are probably nodding their heads right now, is just complete the opposite. Uh, we need to go and have clear, um, set guidelines, who's in charge of what, and then and only then can we start to go and improve processes and uh, help make this economy truly innovative uh, and that so many people want to go and see it. Yeah. Well, I don't feel like we're speaking about innovation enough. I mean, we do a lot in Startup Daily Show here at Ausbiz, but like, where is the actual policy that Ex is encouraging. Excluding this, this uh, venture we've got here, and there are a lot of you know, very um, people out there who want to go and uh, you know, be the next uh, Elon Musk or you know, be really innovative and go and drive change in the world. But the blunt thing is that Australia is just a boring economy that has been for decades. It's mining and housing. That's what it is, unfortunately, and they remain the really dominant sectors. And whenever we have a downturn which gives us a chance to go and renewal, well, what do we do? We go and bail them out. Mm -hmm. um, that's a different view of course in itself, but uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's something at the moment. Uh, and how's that going to again change? Well, we've gone through another crisis. Uh, looks like we're just going to be back on the same tangents before. We've got an election coming up. No mm -hmm. one's willing to go and make any changes. So mm -hmm. stuck with another three years of doing nothing. Pork barreling. And, you know, this is one thing that we talked about after the initial shock of this pandemic taking hold, Scuddy, was, okay, now we've got a chance to rejuvenate policy changes, improve productivity, really take some um, some bold moves to come out of it the other side changed for the better Inst and it didn't happen yeah. wasted a crisis and still we've moved on from I uh, know from uh, no, waiting queues to get tested to the actual tests and uh, just it's where are we going as a country? All right, we better get off our soapboxes right now. Uh, listen, tonight we have the U.S. Empire State Manufacturing Survey. We get the NAHB Housing Market Index, neither of which is, you know, 
that exciting, but it does obviously add color to the economic picture in the United States. Today we had the BOJ, as you well know, and uh, look, not really talking up inflation, but it did change its language around inflation. Sarah Hunter from BIS Economics, who I spoke with to end the day, it's up online, um, said, look, in terms of BOJ language, it's pretty hot. No, <laughs> hot, as, hot as you're ever going to find. Uh, yeah, the Bank of Japan, I found, I had, I had to laugh. I was smirking when I heard a few people talking about the potential for the Bank of Japan to start considering raising rates. They ain't doing that, ever. I promise you, the, uh, that, uh, that cycle has uh, now ended. Uh, permanent uh, easing of policy is going to be in the cards of the Bank of Japan from here on out. Um, I actually remember writing an article for Business Insider way back in the day and I had a drunk Japanese guy lying in a park mm -hmm. and he uh, had been passed out having a bit too much sake at lunch and that was my, uh, my picture I used to say the Bank of Japan is the most boring uh, central bank in the world and I still stand <laughs> by that. All right, Scotty, uh, what you do for fun. It's amazing. Now, Nick Morton from Resident Asset Management joins us tomorrow. He always gives us some stock picks. So I'm, we'll be very keen to see what he's got lined up for 2022. Uh, look, it, it continues on. I'll be speaking with Kenny Polcari at 10 a.m. He'll wrap the U.S. market. We've got the Kook, Stephen Kukulis, joining Annette at 11.45. We have Stephen Wood, small caps, love it. Iger Capital later in the day. And Andrew Alcock, the CEO of Hub24, um, on that quarterly result that comes out tomorrow. And we will round out the day with the boys from TMS Capital. There's plenty more in between that. One of your faves, Con McLacus, we'll get a chance to speak with him tomorrow, Scuddy. I mean, can you, I just can't wait for Wednesday. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I was like, I'm just watching Con on his uh, Twitter feed at the moment. He's going back and forth with Mark Kennedy talking about crypto. They, oh, have, really? they have very polar opposite views as, oh, to, as yeah. to what the future holds there. So it, it makes for a good entertainment. Grab the popcorn and have yeah, a read. I'm going to key onto that one tonight. Maybe I'll have a glass of, oh, it's only Tuesday. Darn. Anyhow, Scuddy. It's midday somewhere <laughs> in the world. I will, um, I'll see you tomorrow. We look forward to, to bringing you Ausbiz live at ausbiz.com.au from 10 a.m. Scotty, have a good one. Bring on hump day. See you.